We're rolling once again. Thank you for listening to another episode of Modern Guilt. It's been a little moment between drinks, but here we are, here to refresh the palate. Man, it's been ages, hey. It's been yeah. real bad. I felt real guilty about it. Oh, there's a pun. Bad. Self-referential oh, right. pun. It would be but it to... Yeah, so we're going to try and establish some sort of a routine from here on out and do fortnightly episodes because Damon and I got jobs. So that's pretty fucked. But... <laughs> And we're going to, yeah, we're going to have to bring someone on to edit all the episodes as well. So we're going to try and fucking pull our shit together because this made it, the podcast is dear to us. So we want to be able to keep it going. Uh, Oh, yeah, go. No, no, no. Carry on. I I feel bad. If anybody is a neat who listens to this and had solidarity that they're listening to a fellow neat, I feel bad because I... Very often, you were so bullish on not working. Oh, yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> no, nah, we both think it's have sick. been, you know, like it's dope if you can do it, but uh, still thinking about you and keep fighting the good fight and not working if you yeah. can not work. Yeah. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, not that unfortunately, I actually enjoy it. But I got a job, so now I've got less time. Mm-hmm. And Hayden's fucking gonna have his time taken up too. Mm. We're both. Yeah. I've been modern like a maniac as of late, and I, yeah, just got off it. Yeah, this full time piece. So, yeah, that's all good. You know what I came across recently, like two days ago, man, which has changed my outlook on things, is an excerpt of this interview with Donald Trump, like pre-presidency. And I can't remember. I tried to find it again, man, by Googling it, but I it, I couldn't fucking discover it. It was must have been a screenshot that someone had shared on Twitter. And I, I didn't think to save the post, which devastated me. But essentially the interviewer is, I imagine it's, you know, a magazine like Playboy or Rolling Stone or something like back when they did like good journalism. I mean, they probably still do do good journalism. I just don't read it. And <laughs> they're talking to Trump and they're like, you know, you're a busy man. You have a lot going on. There's a lot of pressure in your life. Like what, how do you cope with it? Or what do you do to deal with it? And he responds to them something along the lines of, yeah, it's a lot, but I just try and remind myself that it doesn't matter. Yeah. And he's, they're like, oh, it doesn't matter. What do you mean? It's like important. And he's like, no, none of it matters. It just doesn't matter. And they're like, you don't think it matters. And he's like, no, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Which is fucking awesome. And it makes, it shines such a new light on the entire Trump presidency. (laughs) Now that I know that that's how he sees the world, man. And it's so, it's really awe-inspiring. So I've been trying to adopt that mindset in my day-to-day life in order to just get past these random little fucking hurdles, you know, when, when life gets a little bit tricky, you just remember it doesn't matter. Yeah. I really like that. I've seen different variations of that posted all over the show. There's like the Pepe holding up a wine glass or whatever (laughs) that you see all over Twitter. And it's just, you know, all you have to do is stop caring. And then like predating that there was the, uh, fuck, this is cringe, but there, there's just Aquatina hunger force. If anybody watched that fucking show. I like, never did, but I remember it. Oh, 
Dude, all of my friends were upset. Hey, it's just, I've never watched anything that made me feel actually unsuccessful. <laughs> like I would watch it and I'd be like, oh, dude, it's just, just like channeling some real fucking piece of shit energy right now. Fuck yeah. Which is kind of dope when you're in the mood. So, but anyway, there's also similar image flying around or the people being like, you know, it don't matter. None of this matters. That's so dope to cultivate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Prior to kicking off, we were just reminiscing. Well, we were reminiscing on it, but we were reading the 27 ways to become a modern man by the New York times listed under self-help actually <laughs> under the self-help section. Yeah. And it's just sort of a guide to navigating the world. This is published in 2015. And it really shows you the two ways you can go. Hey, there's like the not caring and just like sort of shit posting and, you know, and realizing your ways Yeah. And then there's the New York Times guide to making it through the world, including as a modern man, as a modern man, the modern man cries. He cries often. The modern man has no use for a gun. He doesn't own one and he never will. Yeah, you know, shit like that. that. Fuck that. <laughs> a man buys fresh flowers more to surprise his wife, like to say he's sorry. Yeah, I don't know. It's pretty bad. bad idea. You could be a modern man or you can just not give a shit. I mean, or both. You can or be both. a modern man and not give a shit. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't matter. It. <laughs> What I, is the modern man that is? Do we have modern any, like, man. archetypes for like a modern man that isn't New York Times approved? Does so it? do you mean like if we were to come up with some sort of like positive version of a modern man? Is that what you're saying? Like what I identify as a quote modern man? Or are you yeah. saying like, what is the stereotypical like shitty modern man? Well, I, I know feel like that could probably answer both. It's the fucking New York Times 27 ways to be a modern man is the stereotypical shitty modern man. You know. No, but that was published in 2015. Yeah, Seven years, six years later now. Yeah, it's still shit. Yeah, it but I mean, what like is a, the modern man? What is the renaissance man? Maybe we should be asking. Okay, yeah, that's a better way. You're like, who are the chads? Yeah, well, that's funny because that's sort of like the language around it now, I guess. It's like, yeah. you know, I don't know what the young kids are saying because I don't hang out with them. Yeah. Because why would I? But what would they be looking up to as the modern man, I guess? That's, that's really a disturbing question because the answers that immediately spring to mind are like Logan Paul and Jake Paul. I think if they're looking up to those two, then they're actually doing all right, man. Because as far as influences of today's youth go, those two are pretty mild compared to some of like the libtard fucking trannies on TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) Like the, the Antifa Fox, you know what I'm saying? Does anybody like them or are they just kind of like a, a psyop though? Oh, yeah, I mean, like they're a, definitely a niche kind of, I guess, audience or whatever. But yeah, yeah and people love that shit. I, I reckon like, you know, 15% of the population who just genuinely froth it. Like they really, it means so much to them. It's their entire identity. Hey, that sucks, hey. Yeah. That seems so stressful. So at least like, Jake Paul is sort of just like trolling. Yeah. Logan Paul. Like his life is pretty funny. Maybe weather and <laughs> getting into yeah, like, huge amounts of trouble. He's just doing absurd <laughs> things and making heaps of money and like being relatively chill. 
Yeah. Which is fine. I've just like, heard a sure, of this. I'm pretty sure he's a fuckwit. Like he's an idiot, but it's fine. Oh, yeah. In a positive way. In the most positive yeah, like, way one can. It's all right. I, so we don't really have anything prepared other than, I think, some rough shit posting. Don't tell I, them. Oh, okay. My bad. I actually remembered that I came across an article that would be good to kick off with the, if I can tell it on my fucking phone. The Taliban painting over the George Floyd mu- mu- mural. God, that's what <laughs> What the fuck is that a George Floyd mural doing in Afghanistan? Eh? I was like on the side of the US consulate in Kabul. <laughs> Because the CIA just like paint George Floyd shit on all their buildings. Then oh, and like pride flags above embassies. That's so fucking psychopathic. <laughs> it's it's so it bizarre. Hey, it's yeah. so erotic, man. Yeah. They're totally like virtue signaling in like foreign affairs. Mental. Yeah. I, do they think that people care about that shit? I think they do think that. Yeah. Right. Okay. That's insane. Hey, I mean, yeah. Could you imagine trying to explain who George Floyd was to someone who's just it like, like had their tribal Afghan family person. taken from them yeah. by drone strikes and be like, yeah. oh, yeah, it's a big deal because, like, you know, BLM. You know, BLM. And it's just like the injustice of it. Uh, Bro, like, it's been trending for ages, eh? And I think you understand how oppressed um, BLM is. And it's yeah. just like, I mean, maybe I'm probably re- reiterating like points that we've made previously on this pod, but I think the the propagation of the pride flags and the George Floyd murals and shit are like perfectly emblematic and are a great example of just the the co-option of progressive agendas for domination and the projection of power. Yeah. Of it, you know, you see the... The way that they use these emblems and incorporate them into the military occupation of another country to like garner support for it at home. And then yeah. you obviously see the way that that leads to people screaming about the like dismantling of gender studies programs at the Afghan university. So it's yeah. like a pretty clear sort of connection in terms of, yeah, you know, like controlling the narrative, like uh, spurring up public support. From yeah. the home front. I just have a suspicion that it's just not going to work. It's going to be super funny though, because like. I mean, we've that seen that it's not works. working. It's not yeah, going to work. Like it maybe works in the West when, you know, you're like, oh fuck, if I don't abide by this bullshit, then I'm going to um, lose my I job. I get canceled. I get canceled, you know, in any way that I can, which is like mm. Twitter bobs. Yeah. Making me lose my job. And that's kind of like the worst that really happens to you. Whereas over there, it's like, <laughs> what are you going to do? You know, you're going to yeah. try and, like, get one of those farmers canceled for painting out for the fucking George Floyd mural. <laughs> like, ring up his boss and be yeah. like, oh, that was actually really insensitive because he's, like, the symbol of police oppression in the United States. They'll paint over, fuck it. They'll probably, you know, desecrate the murals if they knew. Well, I'm sure of they course. do know about it. It's just, yeah, I mean, why would they, I would prefer to look at a plain wall. Why would you want it there? doesn't matter. That's what, fuck, I keep saying that now. I just keep saying it doesn't matter. This is what I'm going to accidentally continue to say during this episode. But, I mean, we no, haven't good. done, like, the Afghanistan deep dive. We said we were going to, and then we ended up canceling the episode or whatever. But I think something that I think is, like, so fucking interesting about 
the whole Afghanistan episode. Obviously, this has happened like a month ago now, so it's uh, water under the bridge somewhat in the rapid media cycle that we're all exposed to. But I think it's worth doing a little bit right now. Drop it, dog. Yeah, I'm gonna. Is that a minty? A pill. It's N N N. It's this like anti-aging sock. Because I'm going to live to be thousand years old. Good on yeah. you. Uh, There's a book called Lifespan that I'll plug real quick. Not written by me or anyone I know. But it was written by someone. And that's pretty cool. And his whole thing is extending aging. So I went out <laughs> like a, a good little sheep and I didn't even buy all this stuff. One of my buddies bought all this old subs for me. And I take them. All the time. Yeah. So, I mean, if anyone's wondering what the fuck is happening right now, Damon just talking about anti aging supplement on camera, and that's why we're talking about it. But, yeah. Anyway, it helps if people, I guess, can see, but they can't. So, that's all Nobody right. knows what we look like. So, we haven't been yeah. canceled yet. I so enjoy anyway. that, though, actually. Yeah. We'll, we'll have our Burger King hat fucking live stream at some point. Yeah. Um, if anyone is wondering, Damon is the swole guy with a ribbed shirt on and with the tattoo on his chest that says Macro King. <laughs> but uh, it was, what was so interesting about the whole Afghanistan debacle was that it really did expose the the liberal democratic project for the sham that it is. And yeah. like... The the questions that you were just asking, Damon, as in who cares, why would anyone want that? I mean, it, it just became so glaringly obvious and it exposed, you know, it exposed institutions and this entire block of sort of like progressive peddling yeah. of the West more broadly as completely, you know, hollow and, and empty. Yeah. And, and it also in my opinion, exposed the lack of weight behind it. So like we've been told, and it's still true to an extent. I mean, it is to a large extent that, you know, the United States and and the West, they're these unsurmountable powers. And we've, for, for, you know, 30 years now, we've been thinking of 30 years as, you know, post-Cold War, where the main sort of ideological drivers in the world have rather than, you know, democracy and communism have been sort of deregulation, liberal, liberal, democratic, progressive society versus, I guess, like conservatism. You know, we got told that the United States is this hegemon and that progressivism is this train that's just going to keep moving forward and that it's almost like an unstoppable force. And this kind of echoes like Francis Fukuyama's theory of the end of history, which is where he predicted that as eventually, and he thought that we were nearing this point that all countries will just become liberal democracies and then there will be no war, which is like a real 1984 type idea. But yeah, and he, he essentially predicted that we would, you know, enter this kind of utopia. And that's... Yeah. Sort of what this the, the narrative that we've been being sold in terms of like you know the the slow march forward of of progressivism and social justice being pushed by the military titan of yeah. the United States and we've yeah 
Afghanistan just dismantles the whole illusion. Yeah, I think it's fucking great. Oh, it's hilarious. And seeing the joy of the all the Taliban's <laughs> hanging out with all the Tally bros, you know, dancing around, eating ice cream and uh-huh. doing the jig, whatever the jig is, you know, the, the dancing that they're doing where they're pointing the guns into the ground. And yeah, 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 it was fucking dope, man. It was just like, they love it, you know. Mm. And so, another little fact that I came across when I was doing a lot of reading around the time that the Afghanistan story was still breaking, which I think is really emblematic of what we're sort of talking about, how like earlier you just said, like, try and talk to some random farmer with an AK-47 about George Floyd. And he's just like, what the fuck? Is that during the invasion of Afghanistan in 2001, 99% of the Afghan population didn't even know 9-11 happened. Oh, fuck, really? Which is like Whoa. unfathomable for us because where we were, had this event or narrative shoved down our throat and it, from our perspective, was and still is a generation-defining event. And we were told yeah. this is the be-all and end-all. 9-11 is the only thing that matters. Um, and yeah, we got style pretty hard. Exactly, man. And it, it, it goes to show how easy it is to, completely cultivate like a separate reality to one that a lot of people actually kind of live in. Yeah. Hypernormalization by Adam Curtis. Yeah. Yeah, Check exactly. It, it pretty much describes a lot of what we're talking about here. Um, I saw a really funny tweet actually that was just like, you know, Adam Curtis just has like the biggest stiffy right now because of all the footage that's coming out of the coverage of Ken of oh, Afghanistan. Fuck yeah. I can't wait for his next one. Eh? It's going to be so good. Yeah. But like, anyway, whole, though, yeah, we kind of maybe disaster. got sidetracked a little bit there. No, that's all good. Well, we didn't really have, this is going to be a very, don't uh, tell them. No, right. Yeah. Okay. So we, we have a plan. I kept across an article uh, that I thought was interesting. Cool. And there's another one that I sent to you and a little, Cut all much more delete into to be honest, because I said Hayden a couple of days ago, the New York Post has released a bunch of stuff on Fauci actually fucking gate of research at the Wuhan lab and then downplaying his involvement with it. Gain of function research. Gain of function research with yeah. the virus. Yeah. Which was sort of mm-hmm. heavily downplayed the last few days. And then it kind of disappeared from the news. Mm-hmm. And then boom, it's back, but only in the fruit jolt right. New York Post or whatever that was just, you know, pushing it. And again, it sort of seems to be suppressed quite a bit other than if you're outside, you know, these random accounts that post this sort of shit. But that was pretty fucking depressing. (laughs) It's wild. It's fucking, it's really interesting, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you give us a synopsis? My brain is melted. From oh, I, I, I haven't looked but. into the new documents that were released. Right. I only read brief coverage of it. But um, you read an essay on but it? But yeah, I mean, essentially, we all, we've all heard the, the take, I think, except there was previously some ambiguity surrounding what exactly had gone down. But I think these 900 pages that were leaked yeah. to the New York, uh, New York Post rather just, you know, confirm that it, it happened, you know, Fauci was directly involved in funding the research and was, you know, aware of the whole thing. And I think, you know, the reason that it's 
most incriminating is not because it happened or not because the virus potentially yeah. broke out of the lab because that's an accident and I don't really believe that much in assigning blame to people when, you know, the hand of God just happens. But like... I think it'd be kind of interesting. It, it's incriminating. It's, in, it's like we're stuck with it. So it gets inside. Yeah, it, it's incriminating because because of the way that the mainstream media just shut down any discussion of the possibility of it happening in the first place. And yeah. the fact that Fauci and so many of these figures of authority openly lied to the public about it. Um, oh, again, man. you know, showing Quick that the emperor line. wears no clothes. Trump said it originally, and it was immediately dismissed. It's like, oh, how could he ever think that? What a retard. And then we had a big period of silence. The Biden said that he wanted to investigate. The Biden came back and said that they found no evidence. Mm-hmm. Then the New York Post brings out all this shit. So putting on my tinfoil hat for a second, what if they found evidence that they couldn't pin on China and then was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> we have to like... <laughs> you know, muddy the shit as possible mm. because if it comes out that in fact we were hoping to put the blame on China originally because Biden's administration wasn't entirely aware of their involvement and then they became aware and then they were like, oh shit, uh, fuck. Actually, it's all just kind of like boo and there's no legitimate, you know, reason to believe that it came from a lab. Because why the fuck are they investigating it? Like, all ruthless and gung-ho. Like, yeah, we're going to look into this. You know. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> One it's a good question. That's quite quite possible. Yeah. Is that the case? I don't know. But None of us do. So, so that was one thing. Anyway. Yeah. Doesn't sound like we have any more thoughts on that. But another thing. Well, we're playing catch-up here. So I came across this article... When I was originally, we were going to chat about it. It came out seven days ago. Mm-hmm. It was from the Atlantic called Australia Traded Away Too Much Liberty. Ooh, yeah. Great article, man. Oh, you read it? Yeah. Oh, dope. Okay, cool. So essentially the gist is on the article of the kid gist. I can try and get the gist. <laughs> I went during, I've had like five hours of sleep. My brain's kind of melted. So, so bear with me. Yeah, I mean, I, the, but. The gist is essentially, it uh, it poses the question, if I remember correctly, you know, how much can a democracy bend until it's not a democracy? And, you know, it, it, it details some of the extreme measures that Australia is implementing and and has implemented to try and combat the pandemic. And, you know, as someone living in Australia right now, I'm like very much aware oh, that's true hey yeah i live in australia so <laughs> yeah it's fucking nuts I, and i'm pretty sure many people are aware of the situation here because you know australia is becoming like the laughing stock of the west because of just how fucked the the measures that they're yeah. taking here to combat the pandemic are in but this crammed clown car that the entire West of Australia has the biggest red nose and largest <laughs> parachute. <laughs> That's a fucking great metaphor, man. Well done. I, um, thank I you. I couldn't, I'm like, <laughs> I thought that you were reading that off something because it was so good. Uh, That's outstanding. You should give yourself a pat on the back. So one that, example um, of, of what Australia uh, oh, has oh, uh, 
yeah, go on. Yeah. Has implemented, which is absolutely absurd is, uh, first of all, we should explain that Australia is broken into states similar to the United States. And when it comes to pandemic related policy, our states have quite a lot of autonomy in terms of what rules they implement. So like where, and we have, but unlike the United States, we have almost completely restricted travel between states right now. So one state can decide we've had too many cases, so we're going to lock down completely. No one can come in or out. They secure their borders and then they set their own policy. The federal government, which should be overseeing the policies of all states, has tried to establish a national agenda and encourage cooperation on policy between states, but the states of governments have essentially gone rogue. And they're just not acknowledging the federal government's authority because our prime minister and his party are a bunch of fucking clowns. But essentially, you know, in Melbourne and Sydney, we have very harsh lockdowns. People were probably aware that in Sydney, like helicopters are flying over suburban areas, making sure that people are not outdoors. Yeah. Well, I don't think a lot of people are aware of it because I was chatting to people and they're like, oh, they're in lockdown. They thought it was like New Zealand lockdown, which is pretty fucking chill. Like you can go outside all day and chill out and, you know, basically yeah. dick around. Uh, you have to wear a mask when you go to the supermarkets and that's, but that's pretty much it. So there's a long list of shit that's happened. I don't even know where to begin because there's basically the, the rough rules as I understand it is you can't go five kilometers away from your house, right? Mm-hmm. You can only go outside for an hour a day. You know, I don't know what the shopping restrictions are, but whatever. But I'm sure they suck. And then there's all this weird French shit that started happening, like the dog massacre. Let's talk about the dog murders. Yeah. So what the fuck was that? So one case was reported in regional New South Wales. So for those who don't know, New South Wales is the name of the state that Sydney is in, which is the most populous state in Australia. So in one of the more remote areas of the state, which is also in lockdown, despite the fact that they're outside of the large urban centers, which is absurd, there was an animal shelter, which started putting down the dogs at the shelter to prevent people from leaving their homes to adopt them. Which is fucking nuts. nuts. (laughs) Yeah. And then there was the... Rat, like the dude who had a full blown SWAT team go after him or whatever. He was like public enemy number one on the major news channel there. Yeah. Yeah. I think the most worrying is something that they've implemented in South Australia, which they describe in this article that we've referred to. Yeah. Which is a pilot program for an app that might be rolled out nationally and it's <laughs> intended for use in enforcing people who have been told that they need to home quarantine. So for people who have tested positive and need to remain in their home for two weeks or whatever the amount of time is, this app essentially will send you, or you'll get a text at any random time. And then within 15 minutes of receiving your text, you need to upload a photo of yourself to this app. And the app will uh, use the geolocation metadata on the photo that you take and then cross-reference the photo to the driver's license or passport database to make sure that it's you using AI to match the facial features. And then it will basically, and 
confirm or whether or not you're in the right place that you're supposed to be. So whether or not you're home. So like, and, and, and if you don't upload your photo within 15 minutes, then the police will just come and find you. Yeah. That is fucking insane. Man. That is so mental. It's so you know horrendous. It's surprising is the Atlantic is such a left-leaning organization anyway. I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised that they posted something like this, but I guess it just, it really has got way too far there. Hey. I saw oh, that they were talking about yeah. sealing people into their apartments and everything. Yeah, um, yeah. The police in Sydney have, I don't know if there was some sort of like emergency law passed or if the police have just decided that they will assume these powers, but the police, the New South Wales police have said that they can and will surround and seal off entire apartment buildings. Which actually happened last year in Victoria as well in Melbourne. Or maybe oh, it was I earlier this that. year. Yeah. It was surprise, surprise, this apartment full of low socioeconomic <laughs> people who were, you know, many of whom were migrants or the children of migrants. And yeah, the police just shut them all in and COVID cases were just spreading through their apartment building. Um, yeah. They were like down yeah. out on the street with a loudspeaker telling like, telling them which apartment numbers had to come downstairs and get a test and all this kind of shit. So the article goes on to essentially say that they should have invested in vaccines, which is obnoxious, which is expected of the Atlantic. Like, cause you know, you sort of think like, okay, even that, I I was wondering if we're like what the future sort of holds, as I imagine a lot of countries are, you know, cause even countries with high vaccine rates are still seeing, you know, like tons of cases and hospitalizations and yada, 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 and all that bullshit. So mm-hmm. when does it end? Yeah. Yeah. Something else that I want to point out about Australia as well, which like is probably the most simple, but maybe the worst thing is yeah. that you don't have permission to leave. Like I can't yeah. just fly to another country. I don't get that like how does how can they do that it doesn't i mean it's it's literally in like a violation of united nations charter if you figure it right so that's gone out the window (laughs) what's that that's gone out the window yeah it's really crazy yeah i did i i can't leave human rights are the 99 percent chance that you're going to survive getting covid Mm. yeah you got to think about it 99.97 I think landing there's only a 99.7% chance that all of them (laughs) so yeah interesting stuff we've been um, talking recently about like a a white boy summer link up (laughs) we're coming into our summer in the southern hemisphere and you know it's just not looking like it's going to happen. I want to I think I want to go to New Zealand and Australia. Vice versa. Yeah, man. Um, well, I mean, the thing is, we've just gone through a lockdown um, here, which I'm coming out the other side of, which is nice to have freedoms again. But it's not looking likely, I would say. You know, yeah. I don't know what the mandates are going to be. Even there's been no talk that I've seen on like what's going to happen after all this shit? Yeah. Okay. So 80% of the population gets their vaccine. Then what? Yeah. As far as I'm aware, there's a lot of hush, hush talk 
uh, beat around the bush on, well, reopening isn't going to look like what you think it is. Just remember that. We're, we're not saying anything, but I feel like everybody's like getting ready to just kind of like, you know, continue the shit on for a serious amount of time. Yeah. Are we going to have um, to fucking get you on a boat to get you out of Australia? Yeah, maybe, God, man. I don't know. All of these Australians fleeing to Indonesia by boat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Imagine it. I love um, get put into Bali. Yeah, it's yeah, good. Fuck it. Uh, so, <laughs> a few things of note, or one thing, I suppose, supported by a few smaller things, is that equities are suddenly starting to look pretty shaky in the US. More so? Well, yeah, more so. I mean, what yeah. I mean is, I think... The thing that you and I have thought for a long time is going to happen has begun happening. Morgan Stanley, Citibank, and the third one escapes me now, but um, Bank of America potentially just downgraded like a lot of their ratings on U.S. growth stocks. All um, oh, right, yeah, because the federal unemployment benefit have just run out leaving god knows how many millions of people without their their supplemented income so they're still eligible for unemployment but they're not getting the extra however many hundred a week it was and janet yellen has also said that the treasury's accounts or surplus cash that they have planned or have already either printed or have planned to print will be done by the end of October. Oh, um, shit. Yeah. Meanwhile, as well, the infrastructure bill, which, you know, the media doesn't seem to be talking much about, is in deadlock, while the US government's debt ceiling also needs to be raised in order for the government to keep funding itself. So... Yeah. There's a lot of sort of, I don't know, multiple little fuses burning. Mm. I think that's probably a, a bad analogy, but I think you know what I mean. There's several termites chewing away at the tree of the US economy. And so, what was I going to say? Two days ago, actually the last two days were really bad days for, for the market largely spurred on by this sort of rotation out of growth, which is continuing. I hope it's not going to be as sudden as, it, I don't know, it could be, but interesting. It's been in like walking a tightrope kind of the situation for a long time now, mm-hmm. I feel. Like it's just been hectic. And yeah. everything's been sort of teetering on the edge, props up. By like, you know, large amount of money just being pumped in, but sooner or later it's going to come to a fucking head. It has to, you know. Mm-hmm. Basically, here, which was the gold standard, which I think I talked about on the Patreon episode, we were going to start raising interest rates, and I believe we were. And this is totally not fact checked. But I think it, we were one of the first countries to start looking at doing that off the back of the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. No, you were. Um, definitely. Cool. Yeah. Well, there um, you go. Fact check. But I had, yeah. Um, I've also back. been speaking with some people recently 
in her, you know, business people who would have been yeah. saying that the insurance industry is finding it really challenging right now. It's hard to make sales to, to grow a lot of small to medium sized enterprises failing to clamp down on the economy. Finally yeah. in Australia, all of the sort of free money that has been sloshing around has mostly dried up and yeah, it, that's interesting as well. There was. Where's Ray Dalio at? What's he saying? Well, he, like, he recently announced, he reiterated his enthusiasm towards China. I love him. I mean, like, fuck this. Yeah. I'm out of here. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I was actually going to mention so as well, like that off the back of the sort of downturn Chinese tech brought about by the new regulations announced by Xi Jinping. Yeah. Chinese tech has started to rebound as we all knew it would. And I just fucking bought Baba shares, boy. Did you? Yeah, yeah. I've been eyeing up Tetson and Baba and everyone for a long time and looking at just how big the sell-off was, you know, and yeah. just being like, oh, I just want to get back into it so bad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cause they are personally, I think they're going to do well. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Dude. So we were going to raise interest rates. We didn't raise interest rates off the back of like this fucking new outbreak of COVID that we had, but there is just not enough money starting to go around New Zealand. And I started hearing it from small business owners and seeing it loosely in the market that it does feel like we're starting to run sin. And that sentiment will totally, I, yeah, I think you're right. I think it could, I mean, growth stocks are always going to be fine. They're going to be, yeah, probably significantly higher than what they were 10 years later than they are now, but there's going to be a lot of turmoil, man. Yeah. You just think yeah. like all the supply shortages, there was a good little juicy conspiracy floating around that I saw that there's food shortages rolling, rolling food shortages all over the show. And it's been downplayed how bad it is. I have not at all bothered to check that, but I have heard multiple things for a long time now of that kind of supply shortage. So, you know, watch closely. Yeah, What's yeah. What place would you do for this? I, I feel like the whole thing's fucked. You know, I don't. I what did he say? Sorry. Well, I'm, I'm thinking like the the plays that you do for this are just kind of bizarre because they sort of have to raise interest rates, but then they're going to fuck everyone dramatically. Man, like, usually that that will fuck the economy up. You have know, twelve ways from Sunday. Like, but, well, I just it'll be a gang set up here, reasonably large hedge for the fund. Yeah just a treasury ETF and it just like, it pays a yield and I think that's all you can do, man. Yeah. I mean, like, I guess if, if a wider sort of like economic downturn as opposed to just a market downturn, it's what you're trying to hedge against, then like, guess like consumer goods and utilities, um, as always, you know, yeah. food and food and energy stocks, I suppose. And there's all the supply shortages though. And there's all the fucking other bullshit. That's, that's, that's there. the point yeah. though, right? That's why you want to be yeah. in food. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, they can always jack their prices. Yeah, exactly. Up, and no matter like people need food, they'll go without new shoes, car repairs, iPhones, and you know, when it comes to the crunch, people got to pay what they got to pay to get food. And dairies. People are always yeah. going to have dairies. They fucking love dairies and booze. 
Yeah, right. Okay. There we go. Juicy. So, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. So that's happening. And I <laughs> discovered crypto. We've been kind of anti-crypto for a long time on this podcast. Not as much anti, maybe just skeptical is a better way to put it. Deeply skeptical. Yeah. I mean, we're not anti many things. We're just yeah. like hands off and whatever. Anti-haters, anti-schmucks. I'm not as much anti as I just kind of want those people to have their own state, you know, just this like libtard state that they can go live in and mm-hmm. virtue <laughs> signals. Just everybody's no, no, one-upping yeah. one another. fine. You know, but any, anyway, that's an aside. I, okay, so the whole way I got into it's kind of stupid. It was this dumb video that I saw on Twitter that I'd showed Hayden about this guy called, I think his name's Crypto Bitlord or something. Hold up. You forgot though that like what made you, it was my Ethereum win. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. And your <laughs> yeah. Ethereum, what, how many percent? Oh. So I bought some Ethereum last year in like May or some shit and then just like fucking literally forgot about it and then checked it. I don't know two or three weeks ago and I had just let 10 X. Oh, um, the 10 X. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I hardly bought any, but like, you know, yeah. a 10 X on a little bit is better than a 10 X on all. Like, exactly. so then I, I hit you up and was like, dude, this is so funny. Look at this chart. And then you were like, okay, I'm going to start looking into crypto. <laughs> yeah. It was about time. Mate. I've fucking known about it for so long. Like literally was aware of Ethereum in a, in a fairly major way. I was working at the stock exchange and the chief technology officer there, I might've told the story on this panel already, but whatever, I'll tell it again. The chief technology officer sat me down and started telling me about how crypto is going to change the game for financial markets. That was back in 2015. Um, if I recall correctly, I went home and I looked at it and I thought, who the fuck is going to pay six bucks <laughs> for Ethereum? <laughs> and no. I've been seeding ever since. <laughs> six bucks. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, fuck me. It's real hard and aggressively. But so anyway, I, yeah. So I saw the hated 10X. And I just, I had enough. I, I've had enough of these and crypto bit lord and all these other fucking people just making banks. So I figured, fuck it, I'll buy some. Because it's the only way that I'm going to like learn about it and convince myself or not convince myself and sell out, you know, immediately. So I bought a bunch of coins, some shit. Yeah. Cares, just random games. No, FTT. hey, it's F- worth it. Well, they have FTT, though, man. They've gone well for us. Yeah. Rose. I actually haven't bought Rose yet, but it's Luna. Like deeply. Yeah. Luna's on there. Rose is deeply on my level list. I cannot fucking wait to buy that shit uh, yeah is that is, do we have any other notes i've around? been i've been riding solana pretty hard oh it's going well for me legend. that thing's been <laughs> so crypto makes me so happy moral just, of the story here yeah. is that damon and i had both we, we have this like, kind of sick thing where before we either of us makes less a significant life decision we just talk to the other one about <laughs> and we both kind of like I don't know, allowed ourselves to just go full retard with like a limited crypto portfolio. So yeah. then, yeah, I 
traded my Ethereum for a bunch of YOLOs, YOLO coins. And yeah, it's just been running. Yeah. It's 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 so ridiculous. So much optimism when I look away from the seriousness of financial markets and I look at the the world and you know what what a dream. You know, it's such a double sided coin though, man, because we saw two nights ago or yesterday, whenever it was, you know, the crypto market had a massive downturn. And then we saw yeah. people who were just like leveraged to the tits, getting their fucking portfolios liquidated, man. It's wrecked. <laughs> and even yeah. that sort of shudder that the stock market had saw people having to like rotate out of crypto to like cover margin yeah. calls and shit. And people are getting <sighs> fucked, man. Like pretty soon, man. this huge bull run in crypto, I think, is the impact of a stock market correction will, I think, adversely impact it. Yeah, I, well, probably something. I just, I don't fucking fathom how you can be in such a volatile asset and go 10 to 50x long with leverage. You know, I just do not fucking get it. Fucked. You would, man, how could you fucking do that to yourself? Like, it's just so mental, you know, like how fucking fast do you need to get rich, man? Like what, tomorrow? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah, you know, fuck. Like, oh shit. Look, you know, props to you if you can fucking manage stress. Hey, but yeah, there's not enough Valium in the world to make that tolerable for me. Um, yeah. It's, anyway, it's pretty amazing. So uh, yeah, the, the vision is <laughs> With the intro out of the way, we were talking about a loose idea of me explaining crypto to try and convince Hayden of the vision. The vision? Of of what it's all about. My understanding of it anyway. Because uh, again, I've kind of been like, oh, you know, just classic sort of Warren Buffett take, like magical internet coins don't mean shit really unless they're backed by something fundamental. Uh But I actually followed to, well, and that I... I even bothered to do my research or I bothered to delude myself sufficiently to get my head around everything. But, okay. The, <laughs> one of the things that I found really, really cool about all of this is that and I'm going to try to explain this in a way that isn't retarded and well, it's some very shitty news. But fuck it, we're back. So uh, anyway, yes, I was going to explain crypto to Hayden. So one of the th- things that I noticed when I was working the slot exchange is just how fucking horrendously run modern finances. It's a nightmare of like trying to reconcile who owns stocks and get people to post in like the amount of margin that they need. It's like heinously complicated and not every single person can create their own Exchange to start it is also a nightmare. It's basically like the amount of infrastructure you'd need would be kind to trying to start an oil company. It's like trying to start your own bank, you know? Mm. It's just not going to fucking happen. Like, you just need so much money. So that's where I realized part of what the infrastructure that is being built within crypto is just so you can make your own really simply. Just like anybody can start like an email server, anybody would be able to start these financial products, you know, obviously with like a few devs and everything. So it just dramatically reduces the cost of starting this stuff. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So what like 
confuses me about it though. And I'll preface this by saying that, yes, I'm enjoying trading crypto, but yeah. I also expect it to go to zero and I'm doing this purely as a 100% speculative thing. I just want to see how far it runs. Maybe I'll catch out at some point. I don't know. Uh, and I also have like a super rudimentary understanding of this. So I, I get the use case and I've heard that before. And, you know, I've heard the sort of classic traditional pros described around crypto as well, you know, privacy, security, the blockchain, et cetera, decentralization. But I don't understand how, how you price that or how, what gives the coins value. So when you're buying a stock, you're buying a tiny slice of future cash flows, which, you know, our listeners are not dumb, but I'll describe as either reinvested in the company that you own for you or is paid out as a dividend. So like stocks to me make sense and you can calculate future cash flows to within a reasonable degree of accuracy, but I don't see where the the pricing comes in to crypto. I have no answers whatsoever for that. My understanding yeah. just goes that far. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I can see how it has value now. I have no yeah. idea what value that actually is. There's also another thing that I think is interesting. Or it's just an in a thought that I've had. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I had a thought. And it's interesting to see you guys know that's such a lame thing to say. Yeah. But anyway. So even if... If someone was to lay out the use case for crypto or a particular coin to me in very explicit and clear terms, like, okay, I can understand the, the validity of, of this coin. I think there's a difference between the reality of what something is designed to do and the way that it is used or the way that it's treated. So yeah. one example I used when I was talking to someone recently was like, you know, those really shitty, cheap coffee grinders that you can buy from like Kmart and everyone just uses them to grind their wheat. Yeah. So like if you find like a $20 coffee grinder on someone's kitchen bench, like that's not a coffee grinder. It's a weed grinder kind of thing. Yeah. Yes. It was like created with the purpose of grinding coffee, but the reality is that it's, that's not what it's for. So I think more people are using cryptocurrency as a speculative asset than using it for any sort of like, rational ends, mm. which also I think distorts its potential value. So even if I was able to price a, a coin based on its fundamental use case, I think the, the real use of coins actually obscures that logic. So. Yeah that throws a sort of spanner in the works. Yeah. So I think it does. I, the way I kind of see it is like, it is highly speculative and I sort of imagine you're getting part of the infrastructure that may build this new, you know, yeah. decentralized finance system. And if right. you got Actually, a slice of it and let's say a coin of the Rose Network or, you know, of Lake or if anything sort of would enable you to have like a small amount of the transaction cost, 
for participating mm. on that network. Right. That yeah. would be the value. Yeah. And I guess also you're, you know, by owning the token or the coin, you are, you're owning access to it. Right. Yeah. So I, I totally sort of like disregarded that. Yeah. So like if you want access to whichever protocol or network will allow you to easily set up platform X, then you will need to own the coins and the price of a coin could reflect the value of access to that platform. Yep. Pretty much. Potentially. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Okay. So the more sophisticated a useful platform is, the more valuable a coin should be in theory, which is why you see Ethereum performing really well, Solana, which actually does seem to have like a pretty cool use case. And I guess Bitcoin is on an island in terms of it's probably the only very valuable useless coin, right? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. That's actually really good, like discussing this. I, I like doing these sorts of things out loud because it makes yeah. you like reach conclusions that you might not have reached in your own head. So when I'm looking at plays now, I'm trying to see basically, can I make sure they're not scammers and are they motivated by more than making money and are they backed by reputable people, you know, like mm -hmm. Andreessen Horowitz or whatever his name is, Asicson said, you know, Sequoia Capital, stuff like that. Because fundamentally, I th you know, there is value there and it's just about figuring out how to stake it. And I think it's like highly speculative, basically. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Good shit. Well, <sighs> okay. Cool. They're really We're still definitely like psychologically working through this bad news that we both just received. I gotta but, feel um, good about it, to be honest. Don't. That's cope. No, um, no, it's just, I'm, I'm just happy <laughs> to have a conclusion, you know, of yeah. like. Oh, uh, no, that's a really good way to, that's a really good spin to put on it. And I don't really, I, you know, I will. It's much better to know. I will try and adopt that mindset. And now you could just sell calls for the next year. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that. I had sold some calls. We're talking about, you managed to just and I was like, well, decline. it's the UX. But yeah, that's sort of the way I see it. It's like, oh, well, <laughs> you know. Um, oh, just hearing you say that out loud again just like, makes my stomach feel not nice. To say. Hey. Humanogen just had its DUA application declined. It's all that good. That sentence is just like, fuck. Yeah. But whatever. It's all good. All good. More, more data is on the way. We've still got other approvals pending or applications and approvals pending. So... With that in mind, I think we should start to wind this down. If you a Patreon subscriber of ours, thanks. It's really nice. I hope you enjoyed the last episode where we talked about Scott's Miracle Grow. That was oh, yeah. cool to look into. <laughs> I also hope that our listener isn't too salty that I wasn't too sold on it. But I'm sure that he is a reason or he or she is a very reasonable person who respects yeah. my ability to have an opinion of my own. If you want to hear us riff more on stocks and do some sort of deep dive analysis on stocks that you request or think are interesting, then you can subscribe as well. For $5 a month, you will be supporting the pod and you'll be able to access our monthly exclusive Patreon episodes as well as the back catalog. I think there are probably like six or seven up there now, maybe, yeah, yeah, which 
I think we also, well, mostly Damon actually does macro updates, which are really cool. Uh, it's a nice way to contextualize uh, your your micro plates, so to speak. Yeah, I think that's, that's probably it. all we've got for now. If you uh, have thoughts, questions, whatever, hit us up. You can follow me on Twitter. I am whywarry underscore oh wait. And Damon is guilt underscore modern. And holler at you. And if you are holding HGen, <laughs> then I hate to say it, but Diamond Hands, baby. Diamond Hands, bro. Diamond Hands. <laughs> the shorts won your stocks. Broken citadels. Citadel, don't you mean? Oh, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to take the Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're rotating to NMC. <laughs> That's the play, bro. Free market. I'm going to yeah. do it. No. All right. All, All right. right. Take let's, it easy. Let's call it. Yeah. See you later, guys. Peace Thanks up. for listening. Bye. Thank you.